Armand Piku. I'm the director of media production at Center Table, and I enjoy talking with artists, entrepreneurs, and people that inspire me about their experiences living the modern life while plugged into a shared global consciousness. We discuss topics ranging from life at the modern workplace to the influence and effects of social media on our culture. Today, I'm talking with musician and motivational speaker Andrew W.K. about having a party mindset and adopting it into a work-life blend. In case you need a refresher on who Andrew W.K. is, this might sound familiar. When it's time to party, we will party hard. Andrew W.K. is a pop culture legend. He's dedicated most of his career to creating a life mantra around the concept of partying, but not partying in the traditional sense. Andrew's philosophy is that partying is an attitude, one that encourages optimism, courage, humility, and being thankful. Aside from music, Andrew has spent years writing advice columns and giving motivational speeches about his message of partying. I thought Andrew would be the perfect person to talk to about something that lives at the core of Center Table's values, and that's the concept of a work-life blend. Working at a digital agency often means being plugged into the 24-hour news cycle, which can sound incredibly daunting. Our company founder, Laura Love, knew that finding a way to manage her own personal and professional life was essential to building a successful company. Here's a clip of Laura giving a speech at the Colorado State Capitol about creating a work-life blend. As a single working mom, I am the first to say that the idea of achieving balance in life is nearly impossible. But I do believe that we can achieve promoting this blend in life. So 17 years ago, we set out to design a culture that puts people and families first. The idea of a work-life blend acknowledges that personal time is extremely valuable to being your best self at work. Life moves on, no matter how busy things get. So as Laura herself puts it, Your hair grows at work, so go get it cut at work. It's okay. But not everyone deals with being busy in the same way. So I thought it'd be great to talk to someone like Andrew W.K., an ambitious artist juggling multiple projects at once. I wanted to know how he managed to do it all and maintain this image of exuberant positivity. I asked one of our directors of social media and former journalist, Will Holden, to join me on the conversation and to keep my inner fanboy at bay. We talked a bit before the interview. On a scale of one to 10, I would say, how big a fan Avenger WK, are you? In the words of Spinal Tap, probably an 11. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up listening to a lot of his stuff on MTV and um, just always knew him as the party guy. It's nuts. And sorry to jump the gun, I I suppose we should should mention to people why we're talking to Andrew (laughs) WK. I think um, here at Center Table and and Ground Floor Media, we're all about uh, the notion of a work-life blend. And it would seem that uh, Andrew WK is not just a musician in many other cases, right? He does an advice column in the Village Voice in New York City. He serves as a motivational speaker. Um, even on his own album, You're Not Alone, which I'm sure we'll talk to him a little bit about today, had, just has random little interludes that are, are essentially spoken word motivational speeches that are just essentially, in his words, ways to keep himself motivated, ways to keep himself sort of all-encompassing, um, all the sort of work he does under one umbrella. Um, so he's an interesting guy, it would seem. We managed to get in touch with Andrew while he was on tour in the UK, promoting his new album. Here's some highlights from the interview. 
yourself are a musician, you're an author, you're a public speaker, producer, husband, and just engaged in so many ways. How do you do it all? When you list all the various activities separately, it sounds uh, quite awful to me, actually. <laughs> it's something I would not want to do. I don't like uh, thinking of my work as separate endeavors. It's all one effort, which is to party as hard as possible or just, you know, to be alive and, and, and make the most of it. But I, I don't even necessarily um, enjoy adhering to certain versions of a work ethic that put a premium on busyness over uh, uh, meaningfulness. I mean, you can run around and make busy work for yourself all day. It doesn't necessarily mean it will accomplish anything or, or even be enjoyable or meaningful as, as doing nothing or doing something else. So I don't want to be busy just for the sake of being busy. I want to be useful and I want to apply all that I have to offer to the most meaningful tasks that I can find or that, that come my way. But um, I've learned many times over, including recently, that I'm not actually very good at, not necessarily multitasking, uh, but at doing many different things. I'm only really good at doing one thing, which is quite quite narrow. Um, it's it's being in WK. And, and anything that, that sort of has stretched outside of that, I've, I've experienced more failure uh, or, or, or more dissatisfaction in a way that was very telling. And it could help guide me and put me back on uh, focus as far as what I really do have to offer the world. And I've met many people that really can do a, a, a very wide variety of things and they enjoy sort of running 10 different businesses at once. And I admire it. And, and in many ways I, I kind of crave that, or I wonder if I should be doing that or, or am I somehow lesser and then I'm not inclined to do that. But I think people have different aptitudes and different sensibilities and, learning what yours are is a very big, important step. And sometimes accepting that your, what you have to offer may appear to be lesser than someone else's. And that's okay. It's better to do what you can do the best that you can do it than do a bunch of things that you can't just to try to prove something to someone else. And then you also touch on the, the, the notion of motivation a lot and the new album. And as also um, in some of your advice columns in the Village Voice, uh, you told Rolling Stone that uh, you, about the motivational speech interludes on You're Not Alone, that those are essentially the pep talks that you're giving to yourself. You know, as an extension of that, you said all the work that you do comes from how you wish you felt compared to how you actually feel. Um, I guess with that being the case, I guess I wonder what are some of the feelings that you're chasing that, that motivate all of the work that you're doing? A uh, type of triumphant truth, you know, a feeling of understanding, a feeling of, of, of deep and lasting meaning, of absolute certainty, of clarity, of power, you know, a feeling of, of undeniable joy, uh, a feeling of life making sense, even if it was just for a fleeting moment. Those are probably the feelings that I'm hoping to generate for myself and others through the work. Mm -hmm. um, you, you mentioned clarity, and uh, there, there is a, 
A line from one of your spoken word pieces on the album, um, we must never lose sight of the parts of life that we're absolutely clear about, the parts of life that bring us undeniable and uh, reliable joy. Um, would that accurately sum up um, a lot of the feelings you just described uh, in regards to, uh, to staying focused on, on being yourself? Or I guess what, what, uh, what inspired those lines? Well, I mean, I, I'm someone who's experienced and can, has continued to experience huge amounts of confusion uh, to the, to, to where at its worst will reach levels of frustration that then turn into rage and, and anger and, and, and can become, you know, they're, 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 they're very intense sources of energy, really. It's, on one hand, it's kind of a crushing sense of confusion, frustration, and anger, but it's also very motivating, uh, or at least it's very, it's very empowering because there's a lot of raw uh, electricity in those kinds of emotions. They're not passive emotions. If you're angry, you're filled with uh, a type of palpable physical force that you can direct at something. Um, mm -hmm. But there are moments, even when I'm at my most confused, where I can sometimes out of necessity or, or desperation have to think about something I'm not confused about. For example, I'm not confused about music. I, I, I'm not confused about, you know, my parents or my wife or my, my immediate family. I'm not confused about the pe all the people around me that I care about. I'm not confused about the fact that I need to use the bathroom. I'm not mm. confused about the <laughs> fact that I want to eat pizza. Right. So, you, you know, you could start, you know, in a, when the world becomes a sea of, of, of distress, you can find these anchor points to tether yourself to that, uh, that are reliable and, and, and do make sense and that you do understand and that you can't pick apart and doubt and, 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 and ponder over to the point of insanity. There are some things that just, they are what they are to you. And those are very sacred. Yeah, I think that's a very strong and positive mindset to have. And uh, one of the things our our company culture is uh, built around is creating that uh, that work life blend, right? Where the um, you you find the little things of your personal life inside your work life that uh, that make that work life that much better, and um, and the other way around as well. Um, and I think you know it's it, very mm. important, especially for uh, in today's society where you know mental health is is you know under the spotlight and gaining that much more attention. I think a lot of entrepreneurial efforts were kind of born out of out of necessity, out out of acknowledging the need for those kinds of anchors and and the needs to uh, to right the wrongs in corporate America, if you will, that we're just not addressing. Well, I really like what you said about finding aspects of your, I suppose, for no better word, personal life inside work and vice versa, because it connects back to what we talked about before, that it's all one work. Mm -hmm. It's all one labor. Right. It's called being alive. And I think we, our mind likes to cut a, separate, dissect, and contain different parts of life because they, it, the mind thinks it's more manageable that way. And perhaps it is in a very technical sense. But the heart, I think, and the soul really benefits from a, a sense of holistic, uh, sort of, what's the word, uh, continuity 
and that it's, it's it, that it doesn't all need to be now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this and there's this part of my life and there's this part of my life and there's this. That's fine for organization. It's like you know putting things on a, a shelf in a in a way that makes uh, it easier to f- locate them later. But it's still one shelf. Is is it ever possible that you would have ended up in a corporate work environment, or was that just never in the cards for you? I don't know. I I, I do feel a little odd talking about um, that style of, of of work life because I don't have a lot of experience with it. I've worked at many many jobs, but not one that would just be described as an office job. But I really but I really do enjoy working in um, focused environments and. I find it very distracting and, and, and almost painful to work in, uh, in disorganized, chaotic style. So I always kind of imagined that I would like that office environment in terms of it's all geared towards productivity and towards uh, the ability, well, you, you know, you hope, I guess, at its best, to, to giving you your, your ability to do your best work. But there's many other things about it from what I've seen portrayed in movies or TV shows and things that look like they could be very difficult, which is sort of a lot of mandatory um, social engineering that seems to be counterproductive to encouraging one's own, you know, individuality in a weird way, or like forced individuality even. I just want to go and work, and I think that should be okay too. And then this is the last question for me, Andrew, because uh, I've, I've got to let uh, Armand get the last one. He's, uh, I'm basically on this show to balance the, the fanboy and Armand, that uh, was just so stoked to talk to you today. Um, but I've got to admit, I, I was a big fan of your music as well, certainly in, in college and, and remain a, a fan. Um, but I, one of the first questions I had, I think when I, I saw some of your, your early music videos, just talking about the fact, man, this guy's, this guy's insane. Is this guy for real? And I think... Um, even even now in this day and age, I, I read a Pitchfork review of You're Not Alone, and I think that question you still see pontificated from time to time. You know, is Andrew WK, is this all an act? Is it a persona? Is it a pop conception? Is it some sort of hedonistic routine or shtick? And, and that, their words, not mine. Um, but, it, you know, is, is convincing people that have these kinds of questions about your sincerity or about your work or about your art or about your mantras or your advice, is that... Is that something that's important to you, or is that uh, really not something that you concern yourself with? Well, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't make people think what I want them to think. I can just put out everything there, and then it's up to them. I hope, what I really want is for people to, to get this feeling that I'm trying to get across, and I'm also trying to feel myself. But that's just a desire. I can't insist that they feel that. I can't uh, even be sure if they say they do feel it, if they really are. And all the doubts and all the uh, questions, those are those are are natural. They might they might even be healthy. I think that's just a, a natural reaction to encountering anything, is you question it. And sometimes per- perhaps we as a people have a tendency to question things from a defensive uh, attitude. But there's reasons for that too that are understandable. We're trying to determine whether it's safe for us to open our hearts or our minds to this this, this encounter with uh, another person's offering, you know, or really with me in general. It's sort of, uh, they're scoping me out to see, do I really want to give myself over to this? Um, and they're right to do that. I hope that eventually they can 
determine that it is a good idea and they can come join the party. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really just, you know, they're just, they're just, they're staying outside instead of coming on in. I think they would have a great time once they got inside. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Center Table would like to thank Andrew W.K. for the great insight and conversation on our show today. Be sure to check out his latest album, You're Not Alone, available on most streaming platforms. You can also follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Andrew W.K. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Meet at CT. That's Meet at CT, letter C, letter T. I'm Armand Piku, and my inspired motivational thought today is life is a party. Don't forget to thoroughly enjoy it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. I just wanted to ask, what's the most party thing that you've encountered in the UK to this moment that may not be present in the US? Oh, that may not be present in the US. Well, uh, it's probably going to be in the food realm, and there is a type of food here. Now, certainly you can get this in the United States of America, whether it's been imported or at a specialty food store, uh, I'm sure it is available, but it is a specialty here uh, in the United Kingdom, and it's called Marmite. And uh, more specifically, the, the version or the application of the Marmite flavoring or, or, or paste uh, that I most uh, enjoy is a, a product called Twiglets, and these are little whole grain crunchy uh, sticks, uh, uh, somewhere between a sesame stick and a Cheeto, that instead of covered in uh, powdered cheese or any other flavoring, they're covered in Marmite, uh, dried Marmite. And really, dried Marmite, it could taste similar to sort of soy sauce. It's very savory, very appetizing, and with that whole grain crunch, you really can't go wrong with Twiglets. That sounds amazing. Sounds like we're missing out. <laughs> it, 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 they're really great, and I've never seen them for sale in the U.S., but I wasn't looking, and now that I know what to look for, I'm going to try to track them down. Yeah, there you go. You and me both.